things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. It's been a uh, busy day around here. There was another KU football media availability with the coordinators, with more KU football players. It was Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day over in Kansas City. So just like yesterday when we had Lance Leipold audio and women's basketball audio, we have plenty more audio to get to you today from the men's side of things and from the football team. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. They're trying to win some people back after the Justin Herbert uh, bad boost uh, that didn't go well. You can get yeah, Kevin that's... Durant at over 20 or, or score to score 20 points or more. At plus one hundred odds, I think it's normally like minus eight hundred. Yes, or something. So it was a, minus a thousand. The, oh. the Herbert one was <laughs> minus eight hundred, and it oh. went to plus one hundred. Man, but there's still a part in the back of my mind that it it can't lose again. It can't <laughs> lose again. It just can't. So uh, we're all rooting for that together. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN. Make any five dollar bet this week and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets, one boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at, draft, at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. We're going to talk plenty of KU football today. We have KU football audio to get to from the coordinators and the players, as I mentioned. David Lawrence is going to join us in about 30 minutes from right now. Always love chatting KU football with DL. So we're going to have plenty of KU football, KU offensive notebook in the 5 o'clock hour, too. But being that it's Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day, I figure today we step aside, at least in the open, and talk a little KU basketball because we're actually – I mean, it, it just feels like it's crept up. We, we are two weeks and one day away from the first exhibition game. Doesn't that seem crazy? That is, yeah. It seems like crazy. we're fully entrenched in well, football. And I also think, you know, pushing back late night kind of, I think, messed up most people's rhythms. Yeah. Late night is normally like around the 1st of October, late September, and it got pushed, it got moved back this week or this year for a couple of weeks. And so you had late night, and then you feel like you maybe have some time to kind of breathe a little bit before basketball season starts, but now it's. It's not really like that this season because it's right around the corner, like you said. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's this has obviously been probably for for most KU fans, certainly for us, I think it's been one of the most whirlwind of times over the past couple of months with football and how things have gone there. And now, obviously, after even before that, KU basketball winning the national championship. Now we've got football and then rolling right back into basketball again. Yeah, so Pittsburgh State, the first opponent. Obviously, this year, KU's first regular season game won't be in the Champions Classic. They played two games before then, so it'll be their third game of the season. Um, One thing that has 
I think become pretty apparent, whether it's, you know, hearing from Bill Self or whatnot, is that it's going to be a a journey to figuring out who the best five is, what the best options are. Is it two guys or is it three or four guys all splitting different time? Is it something where they play based on the matchups? I think there will be certain times that KU does play on the matchups, but from what we've seen in the past with KU and Bill Self, they like to stick with the guys they trust. So which guys will earn that spot in the trust tree there? But let's let's flip this a little bit. What do you feel most certain about that this KU basketball team will do well? I think their perimeter defense is going to be very good this year. Obviously, you have Dewan Harris, and then you pair that up with Kevin McCuller, arguably the best defensive backcourt duo probably in the country, I would say. Obviously, we know what Dewan brings to the table in terms of his ability and everything, and and Kevin McCuller is an equally lockdown defender. And and honestly, perimeter defense has been kind of a staple of Bill Self coach teams. They're normally a, they're normally pretty good at guarding the three point line, and I feel like that is going to be a strength of their defense this year. Uh, kind of circling back to what you're mentioning is part of that might be because their interior defense might be a weakness, and so because of that, I think the perimeter defense is going to be a little bit better for KU, but. Yeah, there's no question that Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller are going to be two really good lockdown guards. Now, the problem becomes then, if if teams are able to get penetration on KU, what is the answer in that scenario? Yeah, who's going to be the the center on the back end? And that's something that, that Bill Self kind of talked about today, that yeah. um, they have the potential to be a really good defensive team because of those two guys, but you need somebody in the paint kind of patrolling things that has the ability to defend inside for you. Uh, the thing that I feel best about is that this team is going to be a monster in transition once again. Maybe not to the level of it was last year. In fact, it won't be to the level of last year because Christian Brown was a fantastic player in transition. Ochai would run the floor so hard. But you still have the pieces to be great in transition. You have uh, basically four guys, whether it's you know, Dewan Harris, any of your point guard, obviously, would be able to do it. Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller can do it. Grady Dick or MJ Rice can do it, of grabbing the rebound and being able to go. And all those guys can pass it a little bit, too. And whether you have a two-guard lineup in there with Dewan Harris and, you know, Bobby Pettiford or Joe Yesvu or Kevin McCuller's in there, you're going to have guys who can pass the ball a lot. You're going to have versatile, big, athletic wings. That screams to me that you're going to be really good in transition once again. That's what I feel good about. Uh, knowing about this team. I also feel like they're going to be able to be very switchable, kind of back to the defense thing, one through four. Like, it's not just Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller. I think we saw at the end of last season, Jalen Wilson was getting targeted a lot down the stretch on defense. And I think back to, like, the Texas game, um, I think to, like, the the Providence game a little bit, sometimes in the Miami game, where they were running a lot of, of actions at him, and he was holding his own. So, you know, maybe there's a big jump for him on the defensive end of the ball as well, and there's no reason he couldn't be. He's a big athletic wing. Um, that I feel like they'll be good and switchable in that regard. It's just like you said, it's it's who's going to kind of be the center there, that if Ernest Duday or Zuby Edgefer come in and they're these legit shot blockers like you think they could be, or Zach Clements or Cam Martin shows that to their game, or you play K.J. Adams at the five and you're just switchable one through five, then the defense becomes very, very interesting to me. I also feel like this is a team that, um, one thing that you know that they're going to do well, I feel like this will be a team that executes well down the stretch of games because you have usually the biggest thing for executing well down the stretch. Do you have a go-to option that can score tough buckets for you? 
I feel like Jason will or Jason, uh, not Jason, <laughs> Jalen Wilson. Uh, there's too many. There's Jason B, Jalen Daniels, Jalen Wilson. Anyway, Jason, Jason, um, yeah, yeah. Jason for Halloween. Too many Jasons. <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like with Jalen Wilson, you do have that guy who can be that go-to scorer for you. And I feel like you'll have multiple options. Like maybe in certain lights, Kevin McCuller or Grady Dick or MJ Rice or whoever will be a guy that can create buckets for you tough down the stretch. But having Dewan Harris back for another year, he's still technically a sophomore, which is crazy to think about. I think it it really will have an opportunity for him to kind of, I mean, you keep hearing Bill Self talk about he's one of the best players on the team and in the conference, and we're excited for the way he's going to break out. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like, but he's going to be really good, really impactful for this team, and he's going to be trusted with the ball in his hands. And if you have a really good point guard who you trust the ball in his hands with, that usually means that you're going to be pretty good down the stretch of games. One thing that has stuck out to me through what we've heard from Bill Self so far in preseason is he's not typically a guy that is going to go to his freshman a lot, right? Normally the freshman... you got to really earn the trust and do it in practice too. But that being said, there's been some comments from Bill Self, and we'll we'll actually play some of the audio from what he said today also, where he, he basically says, we have four freshmen coming in, Grady Dick, MJ Rice, Edgefor, and Ernest Uday. And he basically says flat out, like, those four guys are going to play a lot. Mm-hmm. And that stuck out to me as something that, you know, maybe it's just, maybe Bill Self is just saying that. It may not even be intimate. It may not even end up being true. But the fact that this, in the preseason, he is mentioning that, hey, you know, we've got four freshman guys that have the chance to play quite a bit. That to me was, was a little bit telling of, Okay, yeah, they're early in the season. There might be sort of this experimental period where some of these younger guys might get a chance, right? Whereas if you know, if there was a world where David McCormick was still on the team, or if there was a world where you know uh, Mitch Lightfoot was still on the team, like those guys maybe wouldn't get that opportunity. It would be they'd have to really earn the the trust, right? But it sounds like from what Bill has said that some of those guys, especially the big guys, Edgefor and, and Uday, might have a chance to to earn that trust by playing, by getting in and actually playing live minutes which is which again is is really unusual for Bill Self and he actually somebody asked him a question about it at the press conference we'll play here later on uh, about the one and duns and whatnot and and when you think about it Bill Self doesn't recruit a lot of one and duns he's only had you know half yeah, I a think dozen he said he, so. it was yeah, nine. nine yeah, yeah nine over the course of once every other year exactly over the course of the last 18 years right which which when you consider that Kansas is obviously a, a blue blood cro- pro- program I mean, Duke and Kentucky have probably had double that one-and-done players in that same time period, right? So so the fact that Kansas has kind of shifted their recruiting, it to me, is what I how I read that is they've shifted the recruiting to, you know, we're going to work on developing guys and, and guys are going to come in and, and continue to get better and better. And so the fact that some of those freshmen that are coming in this year, especially the big guys, like I said, the fact that Bill Self is alluding to those guys potentially getting to play a lot of minutes early – is is pretty surprising and maybe pretty telling that maybe he doesn't really quite know uh, what that situation is going to look like and and even he, you know Grady Dick sounds like he's going to be a, potentially a superstar and MJ Rice certainly has the potential to be a good player as well but but yeah that to me that that really stuck out when he uh, among all the things that Bill Self has said so far this preseason that's what stuck out the most I definitely think this could be a team that starts a little bit slower whether it's actually taking some losses or just having some closer performances. And then as the season goes on, you see him take off like in Big 12 play because there is a lot of talent there, but there are a lot of those questions with the new guys. So uh, the flip side to that, what are you most cautious about? 
what would worry you most about KU headed into this season? Well, I mean, we, we've talked about the interior defense, but I'm going to take a different angle here. And you you brought up Jalen Wilson as your go-to scorer. I mean, we expect him to be that guy, but we don't know 100% for sure that he's going to be that guy to a level of Ochai or Christian Brown from last year, right? So so I, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm not I wouldn't say I'm worried, but I am intrigued or interested to see down the stretch late in games who is that go to guy. Or and if it is Jalen Wilson, is he somebody that you can roll on consistently late in games? Or maybe maybe it might become Grady Dick who ends up being a, a really great shooter from the outside as somebody you can go to for a big shot. So I don't I I guess I'm not really concerned about it, but I am interested to see because is Jalen Wilson that level of critical score that we think he can be, or is it going to be somebody else, or how is that going to work out for mm-hmm. Kansas late in game? Yeah, and I, I think it's definitely fair because I, I just have trust in it. We saw it a lot his his retro freshman year, but that was playing his small ball five a little different. He, he tied for the team lead in, in points in the national title, but you're right. It's not a given that it's just going to yeah, you know, all of a sudden gonna, work. That he's just going to be a, a lights-out score right. in the last four minutes of a game. And part of that has to be it has to come with the shot. And that's been inconsistent for his career. So can he get it up to like 35%? I think he can. But again, we don't know it till we see it. Uh, my biggest question, and, and this goes back to something I was just mentioning there, um, the shooting for Kansas. I think Grady Dick's going to be a good shooter. But how often do you see true freshmen come in and shoot like 42% from three? Usually a good freshman shooter might shoot 36 37% from three. And if that's your best shooter on the team, now we have questions about how much Zach Clements is going to play. Like, I, I think KU wanted him to take that next step this offseason, and he still has time to do it. But I don't think he's secured that starting spot at all. So no, no. if he doesn't fit into the rotation at a high level, that's one less shooter you have out there. And then with Kevin McCuller and Jalen Wilson, two guys who I think are going to be improved three-point shooting and need to be for their NBA draft careers and their stock and everything, but how much better is it going to be? With Dewan Harris, he can be an efficient three-point shooter, but how many is he going to take? MJ Rice, not really known for his three-point shooting, more of a scorer, a streaky shooter than anything. That's my biggest question right now. It's are they going to have enough pop from the outside? But if Jalen raises it to 35%, Kevin McCuller can get to 34%, and Dewan's shooting 38% on limited attempts, and Grady Dick can shoot 38 40%, and Zach Clements is getting a sizable role, then they're going to be fine there, especially when you combine some of the other stuff they do well, but it's a question for me at this point in time. No, I think that's a very fair, a very fair question. Cause you're right. I mean, it is not very often that a freshman comes in and is an elite level shooter. And Dewan is a guy that historically has not been great, but maybe if he's efficient, like you said, and he's able to, to make when he shoots him, then that, that would be beneficial. And, and yeah, it, it is interesting. And and you're right. Like if Kansas is going to have these questions about their interior that we think they might have, especially early in the season, and on top of that, they don't necessarily have guys that can shoot from outside. That's going to maybe put their offense in a bit of a bind really early in the season until they can figure out whether they have shooters or whether they can play on the interior, whichever one of those might become more of a focal point of their offense. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we have Bill Self Audio when he was at the podium at the Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Day in Kansas City. Plenty more audio to come throughout the show. David Lawrence will join us in 20 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We're joined by David Lawrence 
of the Jayhawk Radio Network here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And, of course, you can hear David on the call of the game this Saturday right here on KLWN. Pre-game starts at 9.30 with the Crimson and Blue Show and Brandon McAnderson, Brian Haney, David Lawrence on the call at 11 o'clock. DL will uh, be part of the pregame as well uh, for a little bit there. So KU falls to Oklahoma last Saturday. And obviously, no Jalen Daniels in the game. Uh, not really expecting Jalen Daniels to play this Saturday with Jason Bean coming off the bench in the TCU game. We've now seen six quarters of action with Jason Bean out there. And I think all things considered with a backup quarterback, I think you'd gladly take eight passing touchdowns through six quarters of play. But uh, when you look at the offense, the difference with Jalen in there versus when Jason Bean is in there, what are some of the biggest differences you're seeing for the team, whether it is you know schematic thing plays they're not running, or just some of the uh, broader differences between the two. Well, I, I don't know that it's fair comparing anyone to how Jalen Daniels was playing mm-hmm. in the first four games. So I, I'll say this: that despite being a veteran, it, you know it's not fair to grade Jason being on his initial you know, game or two games, uh, as much as looking at the whole overall. And, and he's having a very good week of practice, uh, as I think the team is as well. And I, I think he's, he's only going to get better. Now, what does he do really well? He, he throws while running right as, as well as anybody. Uh, and he throws a great deep ball. You know, I, I think he's going to adjust – you know, I talked to him today. You can hear it on the Crimson and Blue show on Saturday. But, you know, just working on footwork, footwork in, in, in runs, footwork in passes. And that's, that's what he told me. He's, he's working on the overall uh, body of work that he has to do. He knows that he's not a finished product, but he, he's got some great tools in that box, right? I mean, the guys, you know, are one of the, it's got to be one of the fastest of, not the fastest quarterback in the country. There can't possibly be. I think he runs about – they, they clock it by miles per hour now. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what does that mean? But, yeah, I mean, he runs about 21 miles an hour. If you want to go out and clock yourself, um, that's fast. And and I, I think he's only going to get better. He, he wants to get better. He's getting more reps in practice. And let's face it, even though, you know, he is going against – Good players in our practice. It's a little bit different than you know what what he sees now on Saturday. So, I, you know, I'm excited that that Jason Bean's only going to continue to get better, and maybe that four number is going to climb. I know he likes Mason Fairchild, and wow, who wouldn't? Yeah, I mean those those uh, tight ends this season have been. A remarkable story. You had Mason Fairchild and Trevor Cardell, and then Jared Casey kind of break out late last year. But the the jump that I think that group has made, and specifically Mason Fairchild, in terms of the run blocking aspect and just adding even more to what they've done in the receiving game. Uh, you obviously played on the offensive line and and as a tight end through your career. Uh, what have you seen from that group that has led to them being such an impactful position for this team? Yeah, I mean, I think that is a storyline that that needs to be told in in further detail. Uh, they they are great in sealing off the edge. Uh, that's what, I mean. Jared, Jared Casey does that as well as any tight end I've I've ever seen. Now he's he's not going to body up like a six six two hundred and seventy pound 
Big Ten tight end. Uh, Fairchild's built more like that, um, but uh, they seal off the edge. Uh, I mean, Fairchild's built a little bit more for the inside play. Uh, Cardell is uh, is the athlete. Uh, not that the other two aren't, but he may be the, the best top-end speed, but I'm, I'm just guessing. But they all have tremendous hands, and they they don't draw passes, and our quarterbacks able to put them put the ball on them and and notice that they're pretty well covered except for Fairchild. No one wants to cover him in the end zone, and that, by the way, is because he's such a good blocker. He's a blocker. Uh, he gets up and then he's left alone, and then he runs a pass. But down the field, I mean, we'll see very covered tight ends. And there's just so much trust that they're going to come away with the ball. But, you know, I think it's quite a story that uh, as a trio, um, maybe as good a pass catching tight ends as we've seen around here. So um, they're exciting. They make us better, right? Yeah, they've they've been so good. And, and, you know, Jared Casey doesn't have the maybe receiving stats of Mason Fairchild, but it seems like every time there's a big run, like he's springing kind of a big block there. Um, on the other end of the ball, the defense struggled against Oklahoma. It was the worst game of the season for them. And it just seemed like they were having trouble lining up, missing coverages, the tempo causing them issues. That was really the first time they've played a full tempo team, I think. I mean, TCU likes to run fast and whatnot, but KU was able to kind of substitute in and slow it down a little bit. OU, I think made it a part of the game to say, hey, we're not going to let you sub. We're just going to stick with our guys out there and make you kind of adjust to us. So what do you think kind of happened on that end of the ball? And is it something that that is easily correctable? I I know I've said on the show this week, if it's just alignment errors or figuring out who should be where and and what coverage guys are in, like it's, it's not good that it's happening in the middle of the season, but that seems correctable to me. So what are your thoughts on kind of the defense after that game against Oklahoma? Well, first, you know, first thing you I saw you today, or what is it, yesterday yep. at the presser? No, hi, David. It's, what happened to our defense? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you said hi. But it, it, in fairness, it, it was um, that tempo. First of all, OU does it. I mean, that, that, they didn't do it just for us. That, that's who they are. And they got one of the top quarterbacks in the country back. I mean, I mean, he was a top one or two transfers in, in, in the country, and they have good players on offense. So this just in, not a shock that Oklahoma offense is good. Now, when you run that tempo, and that's probably the fastest for a game that I've ever uh, witnessed, I mean, 100 plays, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's almost two games worth of plays in one. Um, you know, had we been able to get off the field on third down, I think, you know, it tends to backfire because it tires out your own defense. Um, or, you know, should we uh, have been able to score off the turnover and then they did cause a three and out? I mean, those are big moments where, you know, the defense did make back-to-back stops and we came away with zero points. So I know you didn't really feel like we were – you know, threatening to win the game, but it really wasn't that far away from turning around. We just, you know, it's kind of like we need to call them on it and, and, and make more third down stops and put their defense out on the field so they get tired and not ours and then score 
which puts pressure on them and and uh but 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 it didn't happen and you know i i think the defense has been working their tail off this week uh um i mean it, this team stays together and and they are as one and and the defense wants to uh i think right the course uh on last week and they'll have to do that against a, a very good Baylor team Certainly, Lonnie Phelps not being 100% in that game, I would imagine, didn't help either. He only played 15 snaps in the game. Sounds like he's kind of progressed well this week. Uh, just kind of big picture with Lonnie Phelps. How much, because we know he's really good, but how much does he really open things up and, and have a large impact on, on how good that defense can be? He does. Um, he He does. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we've talked in the past that you know it's not only his sacks and his TFLs, but getting in the quarterback space, which impacts how his throw comes out. And you know, he's caused uh, holding calls. He, he caused a couple just a week before last. Uh, so he does, you know. But you know, injuries and. You know, and I, I look forward to, to, to Lonnie bouncing back. I, I don't know what I don't have any comment or or really knowledge on, on injury wise, but I, I look for him to to bounce back and be a big part of this week. But but he is big. But so is Jeremy Robinson and Eddie Wilson. I mean, those are two guys that are playing the best football of their young careers. Uh, Kalen Gervin, which uh, will be asked to have more snaps this week. He, I thought, had a solid performance. So, and you know, all likelihood, Baylor's not going to change everything just for us. They will run uh, like prescribed tempo, like a lot of teams. You know, to where they're not going to look very rushed, but then they will have a sequence of plays where they will try to hit you with a consecutive tempo, fast tempo plays. We're talking with David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. KU takes on Baylor this Saturday. Again, you can hear DL right here on KLWN with the Jayhawk Radio Network, 11 o'clock kickoff. What sticks out to you about this Bears team and in, in what they do well and that is going to challenge KU uh, this weekend? Offensive and defensive lines. You know, they are one of the best uh, in, in the conference. And, uh, you know, that's that says a lot. That's that's big parts of uh, both sides, um, and that, that'll be a challenge. There's no question about that. Uh, they, they've lost three games, however, you know, and right right now people are bragging about the Big Twelve. I think a lot because of us, you know, that we can beat anybody. But you know, while we may or may not, I guess TCU and K State have an opportunity. To, no, not K State. They did lose one, but TCU. Undefeated, they would have a chance at the uh, at the playoffs. Uh, it, it, it's probably just a bunch of good teams in this conference, so uh, it doesn't get any more difficult. It doesn't really get any easier. Uh, but but Baylor, they're young in the back end on defense. Um, we, of course, a lot of people are talking about the quarterback, and there is a reason why uh, Blake Shapin. He's the number one quarterback, so they do need him. And I'm sure you've talked about it, that he is, has been under some kind of concussion protocol, and we don't know. Obviously, the two extra days of rest he has had might be the difference in getting him or not. But uh, uh, he's very accurate. He's not a, a 
prescribed runner, but but he can run out of trouble, and he'll run enough to keep you honest. Um, you know, the running backs are solid, uh, but what jumps out to me offensively is is their tight end in Sims. He's a very good athlete. He's a redshirt senior. And then two very, very fast uh, wide receivers that, you know, can run the deep route as well as anyone. Uh, I think Gavin Holmes had a career day last week against West Virginia. And actually, despite the loss, their offense, you know, had the uh, season high. So the offense is coming in on a roll. They did allow more rushing yards uh, coming into West Virginia Baylor had been tough against the run, but the Mountaineers, without their best running back, which is interesting, um, rushed the football very well, and we know that we're very capable of doing that. So I expect another uh, tough game, another good game, close game, good for fans, and one that you know neither team is going to be able to relax until it's over. Just seems like the theme of, of all the Big 12 games this year around the conference. Everybody is... You know, right there, and uh, whoever can win the close ones, that's kind of determining who's coming out on top in a lot of these. I I know the answer to this really is just everybody has to play well because football is such a team sport. But what player has to play, I guess, exceptionally well or what player or two has to play to a really high level for Kansas to have their best chance in Waco on Saturday? Well, I remember talking to you in the summer and and giving you an answer that is – you know, rather coach speak, but it, it's accurate, you know, that, that quarterback play and turnovers will determine the outcome of your season. It'll determine the outcome of each and every game. So to start with that, I mean, Jason Bean, you know, and I, I do expect him to, you know, continue with not just solid games, but maybe a, a very good game, which would be a big factor, right? It would be. You know, we've got to tackle better. You know, no secret there. You know, our, our secondary in, in the second level, you know, we, we had some missed tackles, but they, they won't be facing 100 plays this week. It'll probably be more like 70. Uh, so, so tackle better, uh, good, good play at quarterback and take care of the football and, and, um, you know, being, uh, being ready to, to cause turnovers. We've been pretty good with that so far this season. And then I, I think we can come away with a big win and, you know, to have a Devin Neal or a Sevion Morrison, I think those guys are primed and ready to go to, to have a big performance on Saturday in Waco. And it'll be, you know, it seems like the warmest day of the week and wherever we're playing is what we're going to see. It's going to be almost 90 again. But uh, but the heat in Norman had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. Uh, and I don't expect it will on Saturday, but it will be warm. Well, I know this is uh, getting to be or I guess shortly, the busiest time of year for you with football ongoing, KU women's basketball, KU men's basketball, both those starting up in a couple weeks here. Just, I guess, if you could discuss what this time of year is like for you and and how much fun or how excited you are for this kind of confluence of everything this season with with how much, I guess, positive momentum and energy the, the football season has kind of brought into the school year for KU. I mean, it's exciting to me, and you know me well enough to know that you know I'm excited for playing out games. But I guess if if there was a um, thing that graded on me a little bit is you know when when people um, you know started just talking about 
the next season or, or about basketball and and looking past, you know, like like senior day. I mean, senior day is supposed to be the biggest game of the year. You honor your seniors and you have a chance at a bowl game, and that that's how it's going to be this year. Uh, and maybe we'd have already made a bowl game, but it, it'll be adding to that. It'll be played against a, a very good team. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's honoring our seniors uh, on, on senior day. And, have, you know, my, my senior day was really big because it mattered a lot. We played Missouri for a bowl game, et cetera. And that's how everyone's career ought to be uh, ended. And uh, I think, you know, I, I think that's the way it's going to be. And, and that's what I like. And that's what I like. And I, I don't mind being busy. I used to teach during all this, and I no longer do that. But uh, so I'll find time to do it. I'm excited. I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to do this, to do what I love and and I, I think football is going to finish off fantastic. He is David Lawrence again. You can catch him on the call of the action this Saturday, pregame 9.30, kickoff 11 o'clock between KU and Baylor on the Jayhawk Radio Network and right here on KLWN. David, appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Derek. All right, that was David Lawrence at the Jayhawk Radio Network joining us here on Rock Shock Sports Talk. Thank you to David for coming on the show. We have one hour down, two to go. We'll be back after this. We've got Florida Man Mad Libs in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got a, another Johnny's Tavern KU Club interview in the 4 o'clock hour and uh, plenty more audio to get to from all that's going on around KU over the last day or so. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we are going to have another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. In the five o'clock hour, some more KU football talk. We got a KU club interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in about 20 minutes from right now, and some more audio to get to you. But first, looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. Located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence, Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. We're going to get into some college football talk, college football whip around here, but before we do that, uh, something happened yesterday that we just didn't really get around to bringing up because it could just be a footnote. It could also be something that turned out to be bigger. And and that footnote was Travis Kelsey restructured his contract. So basically he, um, we see this all the time in football, like guys basically take a signing bonus or I, I forget what the, the term of what they used to, to say, it, but they basically paid all the money like upfront now and it opens up salary cap in some way because it becomes like guaranteed, like paid out money, um, restructuring the contract, so to speak. But, uh, he did that, and it opened up the Chiefs some salary cap. So the question would be, why would you randomly do that headed into week seven? Like, this isn't the offseason when you're trying to make moves. So a lot of people started to wonder, is this just something that they need money for other players who are going to, like, have bonuses over the course of the season that they might, you know, have their cap go up or whatnot? Or is this indicative of the Chiefs trying to clear salary cap space to make a move? And today... Well, I don't know. I don't know if this episode came out last night, this morning, or what, but the clip was... I think it was this morning. I think it okay. came out this morning. The clip was circulating today. This is the podcast featuring both the Kelsey brothers, Jason Kelsey, the center for the Eagles, Travis Kelsey, obviously with the Kansas City Chiefs. They do a podcast together. It's really pretty good. It's a pretty good, pretty cool podcast. Yeah. 
what is it called? Oh, like brotherly love or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't remember what it's called though. Well, I will find that. Um, so they were kind of talking about this, and and you know, Jason kind of asked Travis like, "What it's about?" It's called New Heights. So New Heights yeah, yeah. with Jason and Travis Kelsey, and um, he. Definitely made it seem like there could be something there while also saying, like, I don't totally know what they're doing, <laughs> but that could just be him. Like, you're not going to have Travis Kelsey go on a podcast. And he's just like, oh, yeah, we're about to sign this guy like that. You know, that the Chiefs don't want that to happen. So I'm, I'm sure he would be coy. But here is the audio clip from uh, that exchange. All right, we got some news out today. You had a little contract negotiated. Yes, I did. Can you put us in behind the scenes with that a little bit? What happened? I'm not sure yet. It's a start to a move, right? Do you think so? You're freeing up cap space to be able to do something. Yeah, my agent just hit me up and said that they want to free up some cap space. So I was like, I get the money now. All right. Why not? Seems like a no-brainer. And it frees up cap space for us to get better as a team. So you cannot verify or debunk the rumors out there surrounding OBJ? Odell Beckham Jr.? That's the OBJ I'm referring to. I want them to come true i have not heard anything in the locker room or anything around the facility all right playing a little coy with it i get it something's in the air for sure and if it means obj well we can neither confirm nor deny but we will speculate and um, look forward to seeing obj in the chief's uniform <laughs> also Odo beckham jr was pretty active on twitter last night i don't know Kansas City Chiefs, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I'd be fine with that. I really, I, I, I like I he truly, tweeted last night. He tweeted twenty three hours ago because uh, he was talking about other stuff, and then this he tweeted like separately from that. He said, "Oh yeah, and I emojis. Like, look out! Just, I'm about I to just, sign." I just could not care less about any of that stuff. I really, I mean, <laughs> dude, like, I just, I'm sorry, I just don't care. I just. I just literally, I don't care. I've never, ever cared about any of the Twitter stuff. No, I, I don't either. Stuff. It's just funny to bring up. But back to whole this, back to all this. The the reason Travis Kelsey would do this, clearing up cap, like he didn't yeah. say they're, they're going out to do something. But he did say, like I would assume, you know, I get paid now and this is an, a, an opportunity for the team to get better in some way. It doesn't even mean Odell Beckham. Like maybe they're going to try to just sign someone else or maybe there's a trade that they're close to working through with another team. But certainly him being out there, and I think one of the, I don't even know if I would call it a weakness, but it hasn't been a strength, the Chiefs being able to beat man coverage. And I think I saw a stat of like the Bills over the course of the season were playing man coverage only like 28% of the time. And against the Chiefs, it was like 60% because they just didn't think the Chiefs could beat them consistently enough. And I, I do understand um, the notion that like we had Jesse Newell on last week and talked about but is that going to, like, it didn't work with Josh Gordon. I do think Odell and Josh Gordon is a little different. Like, Josh Gordon no, I, was. Odell's different. But yeah. uh, but that is kind of my whole point. It's like, are there any guys, are there any receivers out there? Like, is like is DJ Moore really going to move the needle that I much? think he does. DJ Moore is really trade, good, man. If you trade for DJ Moore. Or, you know, OBJ might move the needle a little bit. But it, it just come, to me, it just comes down to, like, what, I mean, how much value are you getting back on what potentially in the case of trading for somebody could be some serious a serious investment of multiple potentially you know multiple high picks or hype or you know draft picks or whatever like mm -hmm. well yeah i mean I the, just, the dj uh, moore one's a different conversation like i i do think he's really good he had 
over 1,100 yards three straight years coming into this season. Like, I think he's a really good receiver. But the Odell Beckham one, like, you don't have to trade anything. You exactly. just go out and sign him. I'm, exactly. Mm-hmm. I am more okay with that. Now, the other the other issue is OBJ's, he's still recovering from a torn ACL, and it doesn't even sound like he'd be able to come back until Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's so, a question. So, in from that standpoint, I don't think OBJ needs to make any moves quickly. He's not coming back quickly. No. <laughs> so, but also, if you're the Chiefs, I think it it's the sooner you could get a signature, like, the better. Like, I know you yeah, do risk that... What if he just never comes back over the season? But like, well, and again, we've had this discussion before. Honestly, with Andy Reid with the Chiefs, signing veteran guys on the offense has pretty much not worked, like at all. Mm-hmm. LaShawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell, Josh Gordon. Yeah, like there's yeah. a there's a pattern of the Chiefs getting aggressive and going out and trying to sign a guy that's supposed to help them, and then it just doesn't really work and that's a very valid criticism and very fair I also think though if if we're going to look at the differences Le'Veon Bell and LaShawn McCoy were 30 year old running backs you know what I mean mean, and Le'Veon Bell hadn't even he barely even been playing no like Like, let's not forget Odell Beckham might have been on his way to like winning Super Bowl MVP before he got injured in that Super Bowl game I mean seriously he had he, he was leading the team in receiving he had that big reception down the break like he was really good with the Rams at the end of last season he played uh, eight games for them in the regular season, and then you have the postseason as well. He caught five touchdown passes in those eight games in just the regular season alone. And then you look at the uh, the playoff stuff, and he was, I mean, he was awesome in the, I, I want to say it was the NFC Championship game as well, kind of leading him there. In the four postseason games, here's what he did. This is last year. 21 catches, 288 yards, two touchdowns. So, I mean, over a 16-game season, which I know it's now 17 games, that puts you on pace for, like, over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, and that's for the postseason when things get really hard. So, like, there's a lot of juice there. You could make the argument that a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. would be the number one receiver for the Chiefs. So, this isn't just a, hey, let's sign someone and see if they can impact things a little. This is a, it could possibly move the needle a lot and the only worry there would be does it prevent the growth of sky Moore? but what's preventing the growth of sky Moore is that the chiefs won't put him on the field yeah well and, and you could say if you have one extra receiver to put out there maybe it's one <laughs> less spot for sky Moore. but here's the counter to that you just said odell beckham is probably out till thanksgiving that gives exactly. you plenty of time to get Sky Moore ready, right? Oh, if, I understand. If Sky Moore's not ready, I, I know, I'm not really arguing with you. I'm yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If Sky Moore isn't ready by Thanksgiving, he's probably not going to be ready this season anyway. And, like, what that if we be, get to that point? That would be bad. Yeah, and what, what if we get to that point and Sky Moore is now really good, and then you have Odell Beckham coming in? And guess what? The guy losing time isn't Sky Moore. It's maybe like a Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like, maybe he's playing a little bit less. Or maybe McCole Hardman's playing a little bit less. So I, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Not your guy, Nicole. Nicole Truther, yeah. man. Come on. <laughs> but Nicole's my guy. I guess the point is for me, I think this would be very good for the Chiefs to sign him. Yeah, and when you look at some of the other veteran signings that I brought up, like the Josh Gordon signing, I don't think anybody was like, wow, what a great signing. Like, this is instantly going to make the Chiefs way no, better. No, it was like, like it was uh, a high risk. something happens. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very high risk, high reward signing. And LaShawn McCoy, probably the reason they signed him was because of his ties to Andy Reid with Philadelphia. And Le'Veon Bell... Another one that was probably a, a high risk, potentially high reward signing that didn't work out. So, so yeah, there's no question that I I don't want to put OBJ in the same category as some of those signings because he's 
that, that you know, it's, yeah. it's different. Well, like I'm looking but, like it out. I forgot this too. Like Josh Gordon didn't even play on a team in 2020, the year before the Chiefs signed him. And well, the year he before that, he had played in like five years. Yeah. Basically. And the year before that, he had less production than Odell had last season. Uh, which, by the way, as I'm pulling this up, Josh Gordon's on the Titans. I didn't know that. He's played two games this year. Is he still on the Titans? Did that happen earlier this year? I don't know. Whatever. I was not aware of Josh Gordon. Okay. Playing on the Titans. The more you know. Uh, we spent most of this time talking Chiefs. I did say we we're going to talk college football, <laughs> so I don't want to be a liar. Does the SEC have a real path to getting three to four playoff teams in now? Yes, absolutely. I've, I've already, I'm, I've already accepted the fate of the playoff that it's mm-hmm. going to be Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Well, you could even have Ole Miss. What if Ole Miss loses once to Alabama, and now they're, they're eleven and one? Weekend, right? I don't know when they play. Oh, I thought it was that's a big time game. I it was if this it is. Weekend. It could be. I don't know. Um, no, it's November 12th. Oh. Alabama at Ole Miss. So if Alabama wins that game at Ole Miss, they win through, then they win the SEC over Georgia, who beats Tennessee. You have 11-1 Tennessee, who beat Alabama. Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC title. So you have 12-1 SEC champ Alabama, 12-1 SEC runner-up Georgia, 11-1 Tennessee, who beat SEC champ Alabama, and 11-1 Ole Miss, whose only loss is to Alabama. Are all four getting in if one of the other power conferences doesn't go undefeated. Like, is 11-1 like, and one ha- Ole Miss yeah. in that situation getting in over 12-1 and one Ohio State? No. If Ohio State gets upset by Rutgers or something. I don't even know who they... No. I think they already played Rutgers. Uh, Maryland, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, No. Okay. If Ohio State's the Big Ten champ and they're 12-1, and one, the, the Big Ten champ would have to have two losses. Yeah, I think you're right. So it would have to be, like, Michigan would lose to Ohio State but then beat them or then but then somehow make the Big 10 title game and win or something. Yeah. Or 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 what what would really need to happen is that whoever wins the Big 10 West would have to win the Big 10 yeah. title game. Yeah, like that's Illinois goes 9 and 3 and then upsets <laughs> Ohio State or that's, Michigan. That's what would actually have to happen to prevent to to for it to be feasible that the SEC gets three or four teams in. Yeah. But now it is a real possibility. And honestly, like most people are like, wow, Alabama lost. Like, that's so cool. I was sitting there that whole time, like, no, this just, this basically secures they're going to get at least two. And it it gives them a chance. Like, they, were gonna get two, bad. they were going to get two all along. <laughs> I know. But now it opens up you, three. I could have told you in, in July mm-hmm. that they were going to get two. But now it opens up three. I mean, it's going to be two SEC teams. It's going to be Ohio State or Michigan, and it's going to be Clemson. And it, I mean, Clemson is basically a lock. Yeah, at they this have point. like cakewalk at this point. Yeah, Clemson's basically a lock. Uh, they kind of struggled with Florida State. No, it was the game was not <laughs> as close as the score indicated. Trust me, I watched it. Okay, what about well, what do you think is more likely? Three SEC teams in the playoff, or okay. two Big Ten and two SEC? Exactly. I think I'd have to go with three SEC teams because of Clemson. I think in either scenario, though, you need a Clemson. No, because you just said if it's two SEC and two Big Ten, then obviously Clemson can't be in. No, I see what you're saying. <laughs> you just played yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying because Clemson <laughs> could be in the other one and the Big Ten could, could mess up or something with the three SEC teams. Exactly, because if you have two Big Ten and two SEC, mm-hmm. I just was kind of under lose. the assumption that if three SEC teams make the playoff, the fourth would be a Big Ten school. No, I think that's a bad assumption. Okay. Because, like I said, the Big yeah. Ten West could win. Or somehow Ohio State or Michigan end up with multiple losses and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So definitely three SEC teams is the most likely outcome. 
I think. I or, do think two or, Big Ten teams could or, get in, though. Or, or three SEC teams, UCLA. Uh-huh. <laughs> could happen. Well, you know what sucks, too? Like, if you're Michigan, Michigan could lose a close game to Ohio State. And they're done. Tennessee could they're lose done. to Georgia. Both teams would be 11-1. and one. And Michigan's done. Mi- no way Michigan's getting in instead of Tennessee they're if done. it's between the two. If Michigan loses to Ohio State, they're it's over. Their season's over. Yeah. Where, bias. Which, what's ridiculous about that is if Ohio State loses to Michigan and Michigan wins the Big Ten title and they're 12, and they're, Michigan is, you know, I guess 13 0 in that scenario and, and Ohio State's 11 and 1, Ohio State has a very real chance of still making the playoff. Michigan, and if you flip flop that, those two teams, there's no chance Michigan makes it, <laughs> I don't think. Isn't that ridiculous? I, I, do you I, disagree with that? No, I, I, I don't even know if I do just because of the traffic that's going to be in front of them with. Clemson presumably winning out, or even maybe if they get upset once, they're still going to win the ACC at twelve and one. Um, you're like, going to have if all the SEC teams beat yeah. each other up enough to where you only have one SEC team that's going to make it. Then it's the SEC team, it's Clemson, Michigan thirteen and zero, and Ohio State would be the fourth team. Eleven and one Ohio State may even get in over thirteen and zero UCLA. I don't know, but if it's Michigan, no, they're like seventh. Yeah. They just don't have the the benefit of the doubt that they've given the SEC. Uh, he's uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we have our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. We're going to be joined by formerly the Kansas Quidditch Club, but now it's called Quad Ball, kind of changing the name this year. That next here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Our KU Club interviews continue on, brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In Lawrence, we have our two locations in North and the West location. Stop by the original in North Lawrence at Johnny's Tavern. Try some of their great food or stop by for drink, lunch, dinner. Whatever it is, Johnny's, you're going to feel like you're home. We have the formerly KU Quidditch, now called Quad Ball, uh, I guess, team joining us for our club interview this week. And we've got Tyler Choquette joining us in studio here uh, for this one. So, Kyler, I guess first of all, what year in school are you, and, and what got you uh, involved in, in quad ball? Yeah, uh, I'm a junior at KU. I study marketing. I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, I played football all throughout high school. I really liked that. Uh, played receiver and corner, liked scoring. I liked tackling people. Um, and right outside my residence hall, there was a turf field, and I noticed the Quidditch team practicing on it some nights, and I was like, oh, that looks it looks pretty fun. Like, I have no idea what's happening, but it looks pretty fun. No, no idea whatsoever. <laughs> um, but I saw some people hitting, and I saw them dunking on hoops, and I was like, I think I could do that. Uh, so I went down and talked to him one day, and ironically enough, it was like the day after I broke my pinky. So I was like, hey, I can't play right now, but I'd love to just watch and then maybe come back when I'm healthy. And watched, loved it, loved the people, came back, and it was a lot of fun. You, you mentioned the physical aspect of it, like to tackle in, in football and whatnot. This is a very physical sport, is it not? Oh, yeah. Like, people uh, don't realize that, especially like co-ed sport, but it's a full contact tackle sport. There are two different positions that kind of that changes how physical the game is. So there's a chaser, which is the position that's trying to score and trying to tackle the people, defend the people trying to score. And then there's another position, beater, which has a dodgeball essentially, and they're taking players out with their dodgeball. Um, but yeah, very physical game. My first scrimmage ever that I played, which was against Mizzou, I broke my nose. So 
Yeah, we still won, and the, and the goal <laughs> well, counted. I'm glad you got the win out of it, right? Yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, very physical, like you said. Is that is that awkward at all when when it is co-ed and, and you have the opportunity to, to tackle, you know, a female or something like that? Does it make it weird at all, or, or is it every, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'd say starting out, there's definitely a little bit of hesitation. Mm-hmm. And then also, rarely is a female player going to be driving on like okay. a larger male player like you're generally guarding the player who's of similar stature to you kind of like basketball if you think about it the tallest is guarding the tallest mm. shortest guarding the shortest so generally it's matched up pretty evenly i would say the like most contact i've had in a situation was like with that was i was driving to the hoop for a dunk and was going pretty vertical and there was a female player like standing there and i Kind of took her out pretty hard, but yeah. yeah, which you know I I didn't necessarily want to do, and the other team you know kind of got a little chippy with me after that. But I said respectfully, like I didn't want to, but she could have made a business decision and stepped out of the way, and you know other other players had to do that too. That's not a female thing, yeah. like yeah, no, it's, it's I think it's a very interesting part of the sport with it being co-ed and whatnot. So what are what are some of the rules? How how does the scoring work for the game? Yeah, uh, so I always say it's like a cross between basketball, dodgeball, and rugby. Uh, basketball and rugby because you're putting balls in hoops. You shoot it, you dunk it. There's three hoops on each side, so you get in one of those hoops, that's 10 points. Uh, you can get tackled on the way to those hoops, or a dodgeball can take you out on the way to the hoops to prevent you from scoring. And then the only other way you can score is that after the intermission, a snitch comes out, well, formerly called snitch, mm-hmm. now it's called a flag runner, I believe. And if you pull that flag off of that runner you get what used to be 35 points. There's a rule change this year, and I believe it's now 25. Does that ever ever get a little, um, I guess, convoluted? Like, how do they know that the the flag runner isn't going to, you know, slow down a little bit for one team uh, or, or the other? Um, you, you never, like, truly I guess it's know. the same as just never truly knowing if yeah. a ref is going to be, you know, biased one way or not. Sadly, yeah, you never truly know. Um, the refing crews generally pretty unbiased I would say they Mm -hmm. do a good job of that uh and then there's also a ref watching that flag runner the entire time once they come out so I'd say that helps okay um how many people are on the team in terms of both just overall and then who play in a specific I don't know if it's called game or match or or what the official term is yeah I believe uh most tournaments you're allowed to roster 18 for your game and I think you can have about three on like a reserve in case people get injured and you can place them on that but 18 is about the the maximum i think nationals last year we brought 15 or 16 to nationals and then there's six players on the field until the uh snitch or flag runner comes out and then you send out your seeker and that's a seventh player uh, and they'll be out there until the flag is pulled um uh, for the team how many players do you guys have as part of just the club itself Uh, i think right now our roster is sitting around a 16 to 18 range so it's it's pretty good. Uh, I'd like to pump it up more, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, numbers are awesome. Uh, you know, contact sport and sport like any injuries happen, so it's always good to have people who are ready to jump in. Is this something where anybody could join in the middle of the season? Are there tryouts involved? Is there a certain date? Uh, yeah, anyone can join us at any time. We practice Monday and Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. at Down Central Turf Field. Uh, I always joke that, like, People say, oh, I, I don't really know how to play or I've never done this before. I'm like, of course, no one's done this before. <laughs> you don't go to school and you're like, oh, yeah, I played this four years in high school varsity. No, it's uh, something that everyone has to learn, and there's no trials required. You can just 
show up, have some fun with us. Um, yeah. When are the games played for you guys? How how often are those? Uh, so games for this are generally a tournament style. So you have to travel, um, and then you play like multiple games in a day. Our closest one is the Midwest Regional Tournament that is in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I believe then November twelfth and thirteenth, and there we're going to be playing multiple games a day against teams all across the Midwest and. Last year at Midwest Regionals, it was the top three placing teams at that tournament. Got a bid to nationals. Uh, that's all dependent on the amount of teams that show up, but expecting it to be about top three. So, you know, you show up, play, you know, maybe three or four games one day, and then another three or four the next day, get to the championship and see how you do. And is this a kind of fall and winter only sport, or does this stretch on to, to second semester for, for you guys in the spring? Uh, the second semester, then, that's when Nationals comes. So if you get your bid, Nationals is in April. This year it's in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And there's a few other tournaments that you can go to in between then. kind of depends on if schools put one on. We plan on putting on a tournament this spring and inviting some teams to that. No set date on that, but when it is, that'll be announced on all of our social medias. Um, but, yeah, it's a full-season sport, and you can full-year sport, and you can join any point during the year. Will that be the first time that you guys have ever hosted an event? Uh, no, we, we host uh, these tournaments generally in the past. Last year, we weren't able to. We only hosted Mizzou for a game. And the year before, that was COVID. That was actually the year that I joined. Uh, there was no games going on that year. So it was really just straight practice. <laughs> uh, so it, it's been a few years since we had a true tournament in Lawrence, but we're excited to have it again. Okay, well, that's very exciting there. Um, is there anything that... I guess, obviously, the the name of the sport switched over, and, and like you said, hosting once again. Outside of that, is there anything that uh, the, the team has, has grown into doing or, or that has become different now with, with the sport or with, with you guys this year? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, the rules change mm-hmm. about every year. It's a, it's a new sport, and every year the officials get together and think, you know, what's working, what's not working. So it's a pretty dynamic, and you have to adjust to that you know, dynamic nature of the sport. Uh, But the team itself, I think our core, uh, how we play has remained relatively unchanged. Uh, We like to play smart. We like to make really good passes. Um, But I do think this year uh, we have a lot of really good physical players who can get to the rim. Um, So we're excited to see how we do on like a fast break type of situation. We think that's a, can be a strength for the team this year. Uh, what is what is like the strategy uh, like uh, as far as this goes? Are there certain teams that you know in football it's like oh you could run a three four a four three defense or in basketball you could run zone or play man to man like yeah. there's the different strategies. What are those types of strategies in, in quad ball? Uh yeah, um, really your strategy one it's dependent on the team you're playing how physical how big how fast are they and then your beaters. So one thing that makes the sport really unique is that they're quad ball now that now that it's called there are four balls on the field at all times. There's the quaffle, which is what you score with, and then there's the three dodgeballs. And if a team has two dodgeballs, that's called control. And if you have control, you that's a huge advantage. Because now when you're going to score, what you can do is one of your you know people with the dodgeball can go and try and take out the lone dodgeball left on the defending team. And now your chasers just they need to out-athletic, out-juke, out-pass the rest of the defense and get into an open lane to score. So... That's kind of where the bulk of the strategy lies, at least on offense, is to take out the dodgeball threat and then make a move to get to the rim as fast as possible. Uh, And then when you're on defense, teams run a variety of zone or man. And again, that's dependent on if you have a beater. 
Uh, one strategy we like to run is if we have control, then we have a point defender that you know gets on the ball, and if there's a tackle to be made, they make that tackle. And then we have our two dodgeballs defending his two immediate passes, so then we can hopefully get a turnover opportunity and then get into that fast break that I think we're going to be really strong in. Very cool. So um, do you have a, a favorite like game or, or memory from, from your time of, of playing at KU? Oh, yeah, 1,000%. I mean, you asked that question and I got goosebumps. Uh, last year at the Midwest Regional Tournament, uh, we were going into our final game of the day against uh, Blue Jays, so that's Creighton. Uh, they're very, very good team, very athletic, and we were needing a win to place top three to get our bid to nationals. And we probably had about five players already hurt. We had a more inexperienced roster at the time, and we really weren't expecting to win. In all honesty, our coach before the game, he said, listen, like, go out there, play, but do not get hurt. Like, mainly we are playing to not get hurt. Um, and we start that game, and we got down at intermission 80-10, to 10, which, you know, that was, that was pretty tough. Um, but then, you know, we come out intermission. I was the seeker, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I told him, I was like, I'm going to go pull this pull this snitch. Uh, and I did, so that was really cool. And then all of a sudden now it's 80-45, and, you know, team pulled together, and we ended up winning that 155-140. Wow. Um, which was an amazing feeling, especially it was in my hometown of Papillion, Nebraska. So, you know, we won. The team's Probably just like, had some good fan support out there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the team was, you know, cheering, uh, super excited. And I just like ran over to my, my family and I hugged them. And I, I like, honestly, I cried right there. That's I was awesome. so excited. Okay. So obviously you have the tournament upcoming. That's some way that people can, I'm sure, attend and, and support and whatnot. What are some other ways that, that people can help support the program? Are there fundraising efforts, gear sales, anything like that? Uh, yeah, there are fundraising efforts that, you know, we do. Periodically, we'll definitely kick into that more second semester as we're fundraising for nationals. Uh, we're hoping to have a scrimmage with Mizzou October 29th in KC. That is not set in stone yet. But if you really want to support uh, and support anything in the future, I think the best way to do that is to follow us on our social medias at Kansas Quadball or Kansas Quidditch. We're Kansas Quadball on Instagram. That's where we're most active, but we are also on Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. Well, Kyler, I appreciate you coming in today and uh, taking some time out of your day to, to discuss this. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. All right, let's Kyler Choquette for the uh, KU Quidditch Quad Ball. Uh, it's making the transition of the name. He's joining us here for our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. In about 15 minutes, we've got Florida Man Mad Libs. We'll have another edition of that. But first, we have our KU Offensive Notebook for the week. We'll have our defensive side coming up tomorrow. You know, that, that first what? game, Jason Bean, I think has as many highlight plays maybe as what Jalen Daniels can provide. It's just... The lows are lower than what we saw from Jalen. And, and maybe it's just we didn't see a, a, enough from Jalen that there could have been a low to have he had, but it just feels like that's the biggest difference there. There's there's a little bit more variance between the two than with Jalen. I think it's more a little steady Eddie. Oh, yes, absolutely. Jalen is definitely more consistent. Jason, uh, I mentioned it earlier in the week, the ceiling for Jason being, I think, is as high or it may be higher than Jalen Daniels when he's playing at his best. 
The problem is he's had trouble putting that together for four quarters. And against Oklahoma, there were a number of plays where he, you know, chose to slide in certain situations or put the ball into a dangerous situ- dangerous area. You know, one of his interceptions was in a great athletic play by Oklahoma, but the other one was was where he got read pretty well by the Oklahoma defender. And Jason Bean was at media availability day. We'll get to his audio at some point this week where he was pretty honest. He was like, you know, my performance against Oklahoma was good, but not good enough. And he just needs to find a way to avoid making those mistakes. And then I think KU is going to have a great chance to be successful with him at quarterback because there's no question he's got a great arm. He can put it in some tight windows. He made some great throws to Lawrence Arnold against Oklahoma. There's no question he's got the speed. Obviously, there is this whole issue of is he intentionally trying to not get hit because he knows that there's you've got a potential true freshman starting behind him if he goes down? Maybe, maybe not, and I don't know how much of that is going to continue. And and Andy Kulnicki today during his press conference said, you know, that when it comes to the option and runs and stuff like that, it, they run the same stuff with Jason that they want with, that they would run with Jalen, which I thought was interesting. So, so yeah, I don't know. He's just got to find a way to put it together, and and, and it may not even have to be four consecutive quarters of perfect football for Jason Bean. It may need to be one really, really great half and then another half where he just doesn't make the big mistake, right? So, for instance, after the KU-Iowa State game, one of my big points with Jalen Daniels was Jalen struggled, but he didn't make the big mistake in that game, right? It was a close game. He didn't make the big mistake. He didn't make the big interception. He didn't have a big fumble. That is the thing that Jason Bean needs to try to avoid. And... It's something that he has kind of struggled with. Against TCU, he had the bad interception on third and 20 that really, really hurt KU. That was maybe one of the turning points of the game late in the second half. Against Oklahoma, same deal. He has another interception that kills the drive or he slid on a third down, right? So for Jason Bean, it doesn't even necessarily need to be that he has four elite quarters. It just needs to be he just needs to make sure that he can avoid the big mistake. And that's what Jalen Daniels has showed to be so good at through his first four starts was he could avoid making that big mistake. And and we have clear evidence about it. Like I said, against the Iowa State in the Iowa State game. In the Iowa State game, Jalen Daniels struggled. He was not he was not efficient. He was struggling, but he didn't make the big mistake that hurt KU and ultimately would have cost him the game. That's what Jason Bean needs to avoid. If he can do that, plus put together two to three quarters of consistently great football, which again, his ceiling is as high, if not higher, than Jalen Daniels. If he can do that, KU's going to have a great chance to win against really maybe anybody left on their schedule, I think. I think that's well put. Um, we've talked a lot about Jason Bean, and and that puts kind of another emphasis or, uh, I guess, exclamation on it. So yeah. I do want to move to another position, the running backs. Devin Neal had a really good game. He was great, yeah. And then I also think we saw interesting stuff. Like Kai Thomas got in the end zone for the first time. Still, though, it wasn't like a – a big rushing game for him. It just feel I I swear KU like whenever <laughs> Kai Thomas is in there, it's like one yard loss, and I don't know if it's on him or it just happens to be bad blocking or what. It's just kind of weird how that works. But we're continuing to see him get in there, and it was nice to see him get in the end zone early in the game. We started to see a lot more Savion Morrison. He got yeah. like a lot of run in that first quarter and in that first half, and then we didn't really see it as much uh, as the game went on. But I think overall, you feel good about, even with the Daniel Highshot injury, where the running back group is. Do you think KU, as an offense, got sped up a little bit because of what Oklahoma was doing? Like, I, we, I think we touched on it briefly, but, you know, instead of trying to play a possession game, it, it felt like Oklahoma, KU had just decided, we're just going to try to keep up scoring-wise, right? 
And was that indicative of what Oklahoma was doing offensively that maybe forced them into doing that? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. But it was interesting because, you know, KU, I think, could have easily entered into ground and pound mode and just ran the ball probably. And they were running successfully against Oklahoma. But that just they, – they obviously they, they didn't do that. And I don't know if they would have – that would have changed the outcome of the game if they had decided to go that route. That's a, that's a very good point. You wonder if you do start trying to play catch up there and you do get a little anxious about – Hey, we got to pass here. We got to keep up with this high-powered offense, and and maybe that affects it there. Uh, the receiver room again, also ultra impressive in that so game. So good. I I know the stats at the end of the season, just because KU has run the ball a lot and they have spread the ball around at receiver and stuff. But like Lawrence Arnold is a true number one in the Big Twelve, right? Right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's making some big time plays. Yes. You're not dropping passes. You're coming up with big plays, especially on third down. Yeah. He's he's really filled in the shoes. Like Luke Grimm at times has done it too. Um, Luke Grimm leads the team in receptions. Lawrence Arnold in receiving yards. So it really has been both those guys. But yes, that game it was really a Lawrence Arnold game. And every week I've been carrying the flag for the wide receiver. Yeah. And it's just week. rotated too. Like yeah. the TCU game, it was Quentin Skinner. Yep. And Luke Grimm. And like other games, Luke Grimm. Uh, you yep. know. And it still wouldn't surprise me if we see like a Tanaka Scott or with Trevor Wilson coming back game too. And Tanaka Scott had a he had a big play against TCU also. He had that yeah. big fifty yard uh, reception that he had, and, and yeah, it's just it's just every man that when his number is called, he makes a bit he he answers the bell right. And again, I mean, are you going to look at the K wide receiver room and say this is one of the most talented best wide receiver rooms in the country? Probably not, but. They do what they're asked to do, and they do it consistently, and they do it at a pretty high level, which is very impressive. And, and again, I, I I feel like I've said this literally every week. This is a, this is a position group that was probably considered the weakest position group on the whole team, just not even just the offense, like the whole team maybe in the preseason. And so for them to do what they've done, nothing short of remarkable. And yeah. I don't think they just, I don't think you can overstate how well they've played so far this season. No, you really can't. And and like as we go down the list, like I said, okay, running back room, like you had some impressive stuff there. Receiver room, really impressive stuff. Tight offensive ends. line, offensive line, yeah, they were good again in that game. And yeah, tight ends like uh, Mason Fairchild. I, I mean, if you're talking the turnaround of a player from most improved from last year to this year, to me, I think Mason Fairchild would lead that list. Definitely could be. Yeah, and he was no- already important. He was a starter and everything, but he has gotten so much better. Like. He's yeah. an all Big Twelve player right now. I, and there's no question that he and Jason Bean have a have a solid connection. Yeah, we saw that a little last year too, but it's even opened up even more this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, I don't I don't want to harp on it, but this game for KU, it really was a game where your quarterback made a couple of quote unquote the big mistakes that set them back, and Oklahoma didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Or when Oklahoma did do that. Kansas wasn't able to capitalize, right? Like, they had the fumble in the first half when I think the score was 21-14 at that point. They had the fumble from Dylan Gabriel. Kansas goes three and out. When Kansas turned the ball over, Oklahoma scored off of those. So it's kind of funny. It's like, well, if you win the turnover battle, you'll probably win the game. That's only true if you're then capitalizing off those turnovers. Mm -hmm. If you force turnovers, but then you go three and out after every turnover, and the other team forces turnovers, and they're going and scoring – at that point, the turnover margin becomes less indicative of, you know, what's going on. It's more about what you can do off of those turnovers, and KU didn't really do much off the Oklahoma turnovers. Yes, and that's what makes it crazy that, like, we have kind of nitpicked KU because they lost the game and, and all this stuff, but 
you look at it. Overall, this was a pretty. I mean, yeah, but the forty-two points for the backup quarterback, and it could have been more. Yeah, I think the. I think maybe the the thing that's that's kind of having us with this feeling of nitpicking is is the fact that you are playing against an OU defense that has just been getting destroyed every week, right? So the fact that KU put up forty-two points, it's very impressive. But I think. almost to a certain extent, it's like, okay, well, yeah, you should have done that. I mean, Oklahoma's defense has been the worst defense in Power 5 over mm-hmm. the past three weeks, right? So the fact that they were able to do that, well, yes, very impressive, and there's definitely a lot of positives to take away. And, again, J- Jason Bean, he played well. He-, he played pretty good. He made some really, really great throws. But, again, I think for him it just it's going to come down to just avoiding making that mistake, right? That's going to be what he needs to focus on going forward. Because, because like I said, uh, listen, I, I said it. I think he's got a ceiling higher than Jace, than Jalen Daniels potentially. If he puts together a full four quarters of his best football, there's no question about that. There's no question about his talent. Yeah, I agree with that. So we'll see what he can do against Baylor. Struggled last year. Obviously, different Baylor team, different Kansas team. Improved Jason Bean. They're going to need him this weekend. You can hear right here on KLWN pregame 930, kickoff at 11 o'clock. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Florida Man Mad Libs, next. That time on a Wednesday, Sam Speck joins us in studio. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and we have another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. I'm on a two-game winning streak. I'm a winner. Nick's a loser. <laughs> hey, the points are pretty close, though. <laughs> it's 29-24 in points, yeah. We're, we're battling out here. Yeah, it's close. Well, and at the end of the day, gentlemen, it is, uh, again, comes down to that last uh, week seating, and we're at week 10 now, but uh, yes, indeed, if we were to get to 5-5, five and five, Nick, if you were to win today and the point value were to still go to Derek. Oh, there's no question I'm going to win today. All right. Well, I <laughs> oh. like the confidence then here. Well, first of all, oh, care to make this double points if you're so confident. Ooh, double points? wager then, huh? Double points. Why not? Let's do it. All right. Okay. Let's ride. Little wager then. Woo! All right. Double point on a Wednesday for week 10. We got to make something special okay. out of it here. Let's Two notes before we go. Derek, by the way, cheese pizza is just fine. And uh, Nick, my. There's Italian... nothing wrong with cheese pizza, yeah, yeah. but if cheese pizza is your <laughs> favorite pizza, <laughs> it's, it's not good. my favorite pizza. But Nick, that's my no Italian problem. grandmother like is pizza. rolling that's over not, in no, her grave, true. by the way. She is rolling over in her grave with your comments about pizzas. So, uh, I don't know any. Pro- I, don't under- I don't understand. No, where no, I you don't like the marinara. That's the real problem. I don't understand where this got twisted tomato into sauce. I hate you weren't. Marinara sauce you left the room because you were so mad. He doesn't even like ketchup. It's a tomato thing. I know. Pizza. I don't have problems. I don't understand where this got twisted into. Well, <laughs> oh, Nick hates pizza. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, well, here's my favorite of the week, gentlemen. Then we'll get to rounds one, two. And uh, again, Florida grandma knocks out a would-be home invader with a cast iron pan. But she states that the pan has been more reliable, feeds her more, and protects her better than any man. Mm. Gotta love the granny from Florida it. right there. Boom. Boom. All right. Round number one. Again, we only have <laughs> one redacted word. Uh, again, all of these are legitimate headlines, not as exactly current as within the last seven days. But here's number one, where we have one redacted word taken out of it. And again, the point value is one here. But for today, it's actually two. Again, we're Double doubling points. up today. So two Florida men, actually, were caught stealing a blank on top of their car after the hurricane aftermath. So this was actually pretty current. So we've got the hurricane aftermath. You know, you got looters, you got whatever, but two Florida men caught stealing a blank and it was on top of their car. Okay. So something that needed a significant amount of space or whatever they were thinking, I don't know, after the hurricane aftermath. So 
mm. where we think in here. Here's I our three. Have no options. idea on this. Here's our three. Options. Carpet. We've got <laughs> we <got> carpet. <laughs> we got a fire hydrant. Okay. <laughs> so they went in and just took a city fire hydrant after the that, uh, hurricane aftermath. Is that, is that is that illegal? That's very illegal. These are all going to be very illegal. Yes. You can't take it's like anything. Public you can't government steal. property. Yeah. <laughs> a utility pole, so like a light and power pole. Okay. Uh, okay. And we're a billboard. So these are the three oh, things that two of these men were caught stealing on top of their vehicle after the hurricane aftermath. Obvious looters, but again, a fire hydrant, okay. a utility pole, or a billboard. I don't think they would take the fire hydrant after the hurricane because why would you want more water? Well, you, you realize the fire hydrant does not come with water. Well, these are Florida guys. It's just guys. a They're conduit probably, to get the water the like, Florida out Florida guys the probably aren't. Really, they, they probably don't really. They're like, we don't need to pay for water anymore. We have a fire hydrant. Yeah, just take the fire hydrant, set it up. You know, if your house is on fire. You just turn it on. You get water. Isn't that how it works? It doesn't quite work no. like a well, no. But uh, all right, so fire hydrant. Okay, for Nick, I'm not going think? for fire hydrant. Okay, I'm gonna go. I don't. I don't understand why they would steal a utility pole. I'm gonna go with billboard. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go billboard as well. The reason why... Uh, it's probably like something funny on well, the billboard. Well, if they're putting it on the top of the car, that's what eliminated the fire hydrant to me. You could just fit that in your back seat. Like, why tie it to the Are top you sure? of your car? Unless they were like, this is now an extension of the car. <laughs> we just have a car with a fire hydrant on it. Um, I, so I don't the know... The utility pole, I mean, that goes on the Yeah, you the could car. fit that on the top of the car. But again, I don't know what you're doing with it. Yeah, I don't know why you'd steal that. The billboard, the- it could be something... And it makes sense, too. If it's a hurricane... Billboard is high up there. It's basically a wind, like, a blocker almost to where the wind would knock it off. Yeah. So it'd be very easily on the ground, and they, they probably didn't think it was a crime. They probably thought, like, hey, there's a free billboard on the ground, and it's something so that, that I oh, like. I like, think the billboard, know. yeah, I think the billboard was, like, something funny. Yes. It was a funny thing. Something funny, like, or could have <laughs> been, like, uh, you know, like, funny. if uh, it, maybe they're, like, Florida State fans or Florida fans, and it was, like, a Florida State, you know. Okay. Right, well, so we're, both, we're both going building. Yeah. I like how we try and think logically about these for, Florida folks, but uh, no, it was just literally a utility pole. They uh, <laughs> they found a blown down utility pole in the middle of the road and they tied See, it. See, why is that illegal? Uh, because it's city finders property. keepers. It's city property. First of all, it's already broken. Yeah, yeah it's already right? broken. But it was on top of a Toyota Camry, which makes the best of this story because again, <laughs> it's so uh, that does not make sense ratio wise. The pole. Was much longer. Yeah, it would be much longer. longer. So, yeah. Nobody got a point there in round one. Here we go. Let's hit round two. Again, with two redacted words now and the potential for maybe six points today with the double Wednesday that we're playing. So, uh, no violence here, potential at the end of the day, but uh, Florida man tries to blow up his neighbor's blank with a homemade pipe bomb over a blank dispute. So they were disputing <laughs> over something. We'll start with the first one here. Florida man tries to blow up either his neighbor's car, uh, his shed, or his chickens. He had a chicken oh, farm out in the backyard oh. with a homemade pipe bomb over a <laughs> blank dispute. And we'll get to the second redacted word here in just right. a moment. It, but could, it could definitely be car. The shed, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Do a lot of people in Florida have chickens? <laughs> I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I feel me. like I, there's a lot of people that you, you can so? just raise chickens. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a locational thing or a regional thing. You chickens, can just you can raise just have chickens. chickens anywhere? Yeah, you can just raise chickens. All right. Well, I didn't know that. Well, this, it's, is, it's this is kind of a tough one. I'm, I think I'm just gonna have. I think I'm just gonna go with a car. Like okay. He's just mad. It's the guy's car is in the driveway. Whatever they were arguing about, and he's like, "I'm just gonna roll this bomb under here." <laughs> well, and in terms of ease, easement, you know, it's like you said, it's in his driveway. They're neighbors. They're right next yeah. to each other. Yeah. Could it just yeah. you know, be the, something yeah. over there? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. 
I'm going to so go with Florida man tries to blow up his neighbor's either car, shed, or his uh, chickens on his property with a homemade pipe bomb over a blank dispute. So we got Nick with car. Derek, where are we going here? So this could be shed because what it if, like, be what if he borrowed... Although this might be the inverse, but what if like somebody borrowed like a you know lawnmower or something, didn't give it back, and I, I don't know, like he was like give it back to me, and he's like no, I'm not giving back to you, and so he just blew it up. I, <laughs> I don't definitely know. think it could be shit. It I'm could be. I'm gonna go with the chicken. I, I think it's the chicken farm. Um, what if like the chickens are getting loose, they're getting onto his property, they're causing issues <laughs> in some way. I don't know. They, I mean, it's a chicken the farm. Chickens are pooping right? on his lawn. Yeah, sure, sure, something, something that's bothering the guy, and he's like, or maybe get the, rid maybe of the, the damn rooster, chickens. The rooster just keeps sure know, roostering. <laughs> Could be roostering every morning. And he's like, dude. yeah, he's unhappy. He's like, dude, you got to get rid of these. You got to get rid of these. And the neighbor's like, no, no, no. So he just blew them up. <laughs> Well, uh, it was chickens, actually. Let's go. It was. So chickens on the board, Derek, for today. Uh, Car was a good guess, but no Florida man. We didn't even get to the second blank. Uh, So I'll give you that one. I I apologize. I did jump, but I'm I'm trying to hit our. Was it pipe bomb? I'm trying to hit our. No, pipe bomb was. uh, I'm trying to hit our timing here, boys, too. Oh, we got plenty of time. Okay, okay. Sorry. But, yeah, so the first one was chickens, so I I apologize for, for, you know, kind of putting that one out there prematurely. So we'll get to the second one here. But a Florida man tries to blow up his neighbors. Obviously, I gave over the answer. Chickens, Derek got the point there. Mm -hmm. With a homemade pipe bomb over a gardening dispute, a property dispute, or a lawnmower dispute. So you kind of nailed on two of those, Derek. So you you kind of have a split action here. It feels uh, like it's either... Either property or garden. I'm gonna say gardening. The chickens probably got into the the flowers go with, or vegetables, or whatever. I'm gonna go yeah. with property. The chickens were roaming around in the guy's yard. He was mad about it. And uh, Nick, you are actually right. So Ooh, coming back with another back. point. So Here again, Florida man tries to blows up uh, blow up his neighbor's chickens. Again, they were just free roam chickens out in the backyard. <laughs> Uh, with a homemade pipe bomb over a property dispute. And I didn't read too far into it, but Nick, Gosh. I would imagine you're probably pretty accurate. So excessive. The chickens, the chickens were so excessive. Yeah, going over in. in you're in telling me you don't place, just so. go straight to blowing stuff no, up whenever it's causing. It's not you. usually my first option of resolution. <laughs> That's quite the leap. Yeah. yeah, not not a discussion, not a call to the authorities, but let's make a homemade pipe bomb. Maybe all right, did, so, maybe you did try all that. <laughs> one to one after these two rounds. So let's go. You'll be pleased to hear that this isn't Florida. An Alabama man. There we go. Probably my favorite of the week here, by the way. Maybe not. Mm. Uh, an Alabama man is charged with animal abuse after feeding his attack blank named blank methamphetamines. Whoa. Oh. So, yes, it's not a very pleasant one at the end of the day. Like I said, so it's yeah. uh, it, at the end of the day, when I actually read out this full article, you might get a chuckle out of it. You might get a laugh out of it by any means. But okay. we'll start with the first redacted word, as we always do. An Alabama man charged with animal abuse after feeding his attack dog, his attack ferret, or his attack squirrel. <laughs> named blank. And he was feeding a methamphetamine. Well, dog so, is the obvious name. It is. But do we want to go with have, the obvious? Then you have a ferret. Ferrets are... They're, people have pet ferrets. Yeah. The squirrel they one an attack ferret though. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> met someone with an attack squirrel. The squirrel one would be the probably the least likely here. But maybe that makes it the most likely. But also, which one of those animals is most likely to attack someone? Enjoy methamphetamines. Oh, I think it's I don't, a squirrel. I mean, I don't think that. I don't think the animal is like. A, hey, Brad, give me my map. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, like, okay. No, no, no. You I think he probably way. just like puts it, it in some way. peanut butter no, or a treat okay. or something. It's like, but like, which animal would be most likely to then attack if it was high on meth? <laughs> I, like I think a dog a might be the, the big. I don't no, know. No, this squirrel would go crazy, man. I don't Are you know. kidding me? 
So Nick, are you? What are you going? Are you going with squirrel? I'm, then? I'm, I'm going off the wall here. I'm going with squirrel. Okay, I'm going Nick. ferret. And Derek going with ferret here. Uh, so squirrel for Nick, ner- <laughs> ferret for Derek. Alabama charged with animal abuse after feeding his attack either squirrel, dog, or ferret named blank methamphetamines, and he was named either Big Nuts, D's Nuts, or Nutter Butter. Okay. <laughs> so have fun uh, with this one. Again, it could okay. be any of these. I definitely uh, think this is a squirrel now. Yeah. Because ah. he gets the acorns. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Get the nuts involved. It might not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Let's, let's see. But again, big, <coughs> excuse, big nuts, D's nuts, or nutter butter. Oh, I want to believe that this Alabama man has a, has a clean mind and named him nutter butter. But I just don't think that's the case. He, he gives it meth. You yeah. think he's going to stop it, it being worried about what the name is? I'm going to go with D's Nuts. <laughs> I'm going to go with Big Nuts. Boy, you guys are splitting these down. We're just down. saying names. I'm telling you, you guys are splitting these down. So here it is. Alabama charged with animal abuse after feeding his attack squirrel named D's Nuts Methamphetamine. And that is a legitimate <laughs> Headline. So, so Derek comes got, away with these nuts, yeah, and, and you come away okay. with yeah. the squirrels. So we're kind of split so in the middle here. We're two, tied. Two, yeah. two, two. And Technically that, four, four. So the final so round. Double four, four. That's right. Yeah. So we go into the final round. Tied up. Round. Here mm-hmm. we go, gentlemen. And uh, this one is just. I tried to make it as difficult as possible. I'm glad I left this one for the end. Okay. It's not strange. It's not out all over the place. It is funny. But a Florida man who was tired of waiting at a blank steals a blank and drives home. Okay. So again, it's funny. The end of the day. But okay. it's fair. Yeah. So here we go. Florida man, tired of Carnival. waiting either at the dentist office, oh. the DMV, or hospital, oh, steals a blank and drives home. Mm. So Florida okay. man, tired of waiting at either hospital, I DMV, or dentist. two initial thoughts on this. I think it could be the hospital. He gets tired of waiting at the hospital, and he steals an ambulance and drives home. Okay. Or steals a, what other hospital? A taxi cab or patrol car or something. something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, or it could definitely be the DMV. You're waiting at the I've DMV been there for a long time Exactly. Before. You're waiting at the DMV for 10 hours, and you're like, stole dude. The, and he stole, the, I don't know. An Uber. Student or cars or whatever. or whatever. Yeah, like one of the. Oh, yeah. One yeah. of the student cars with the emergency brake on the passenger side. Mm-hmm. He steals one of those. <laughs> the, the student driver cars. Yes. That's what you mean. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. So I don't think it's, uh, what was the other option? Uh, dentist, I don't think DMV, or I mean, hospital. I just don't know what it he'd could steal be at the dentist that he would get away in, you know? Well. Yeah. Could be that truck with the big tooth on top of it, you know, the dental. You know, that's from a movie. But no, I mean, who knows? It could. We haven't gotten. To the I mean, second it definitely could be dental. So. I think it could I, be like hospital. What if it's like a wheelchair? He stole the wheelchair, or like the hospital He's like bed. Driving home, steals the hospital bed and just on the gurney or the gurney. Exactly. Something. Exactly. An electronic gurney or an electronic. I don't know. Uh, who knows? What? What's yeah, the specific phrasing on the end there? Oh, okay. Rides it home no. or what? He drives home. Drives, drives home. home. So okay. Florida man tired of waiting at blank steals a blank and drives home. So I'm going either, DMV then. Okay. I'm going to go hospital. Derek going DMV. Nick going with hospital. Okay. So a man tired of waiting either at a hospital, DMV, or dentist office steals either a city bus, a taxi, or an ambulance and drives home. Uh, see. Yeah. I picked hospital, so the logical answer for me would be ambulance. But yeah. It could easily be a city bus. Something close to the, the you know, if you picked hospital, that's close to the hospital. Wait, so city bus, hospital, or city bus ambulance, what was the other one? Taxi. Uh, taxi. taxi. Yeah. And it wasn't specific, so know. it could have been a ride share. I, I think Uber it's going to be the hospital with the ambulance. Those are the two that match up. I'm just going to go with, because uh, i got to do something different. Um, I never said I was going to pick ambulance. 
Well, well, regardless, I'm taking taxi. Going with the taxi cab. And again, it could uh, be I'll, ride share. It could be a whole bunch yeah, of different things. So I'll just go know. ahead and go with ambulance here. I'll go with ambulance. So Nick's sticking with his gut. So here it is, gentlemen, for our week 10 and the double point value. Man tired of waiting at a hospital. Mm. So there's some double points. Steals. An ambulance and drives home. Oh, so we got the big point value tonight. Nice big. Not only does it tie us Huge up five w. and five, but it goes up in points. In point values yeah. as well. So Nick, with, we uh, the, with the, the gamble the, on double I think points. he's up one. With the yeah. whitey tidies and the Florida man cape uh, character on our standings, he takes number one. Gentlemen, again, thank you so much for including me in your fun. I always enjoy these. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks, he's Sam. Sam Speck. That's Florida Man Mad Libs with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. W. Good win for Nick. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it.